Hello and welcome to an hour from Tower Podcast, the podcast that brings you the people and personalities of the College of St. Scholastica. I'm really excited today. We've got somebody who I think is on the top of a lot of lists for me, probably one of the most organized, has the cleanest office, is probably the most physically fit, and maybe one of the kindest people that I've encountered in my time at St. Scholastica, Jenna Helgett. Um, Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Jeez, I'm blushing already. Thank you. <laughs> Jenna's our... Uh, Director of Campus Recreation and Activities, and I'll tell you, I will get into this as we go through, but um, I, I mentioned this to her already. I've been on a lot of college campuses, and the activity that we have with campus recreation here is probably the top out of any campus that I've ever been at, but we'll get into all of that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. um, glad to have her here and uh, and hear a little bit about her journey. So as we do on, on every uh, episode of the podcast here, um, tell me a little bit about your journey and your path here to St. Scholastica. Yeah, um, I'll go back a little bit, just kind of where I started. I'm from Mankato, Minnesota. Um, pretty decent-sized town, kind of like Duluth, actually. Um, I went to a small Catholic school there, um, really a similar field to St. Scholastica, actually, kind of where I got my foundation from. Um, I ended up transferring to the public high school, so I got the bigger feel. Um, and then even from there, went to Iowa State. I was at a big school down there. I loved it. Um, but then even... There, I wasn't done. So then I transferred to the University of Minnesota, um, had a really big school feeling there, and then got my degree in um, exercise science, kinesiology. Um, Didn't really know what I wanted to do after that necessarily. Um, I graduated right around the pandemic time. So it's already super um, stressful trying to figure out your next plans if you don't even know if you're going to be able to go to the grocery store the next day, you know. Um, So it was a really uncertain time for everyone. Um, but I knew I wanted to keep going to school. I wanted to further my education. Um, exercise science is something I was really good at. Um, so I found St. Scholastica. I found a one-year master's program, and I almost thought this might be too good to be true. Um, I was really excited to kind of get going into my career, so I knew a lot of years of school wasn't something that I really wanted. Um, so I thought one year, exercise physiology, right up my alley. Uh, let's do this thing. So I applied I got accepted. I was ecstatic. Um, I already had some relationships up here in Duluth. Um, Growing up, I came here. I had some family here that I would visit, um, so I was no stranger to Duluth. Um, So once I got accepted, I found a place to live, um, and I started school. So that was fall of 2021 is when I started, and honestly, from the minute I stepped foot on this campus, something felt different. Um, I got into my classroom. First day of school, and I think I was surrounded by nine other of my colleagues. So already super intimate, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then pretty soon, the professor started calling me by my first name already. And I thought, what, wait, whoa, what in the world? You know my name? Mm -hmm. And then I made eye contact with him. And, you know, coming from the University of Minnesota, Mm -hmm. oh, you don't make eye contact with professors because you're in in a lecture hall of 300 kids. Um, Even my more intimate classes at the U were probably still over 50 so very seldom did my professors know my name. And um, great professors, great teachers, but they're also there for research. You know, they kind of have a second agenda, which is totally fine. It's a big school. I'd expect nothing less. But you come to St. Scholastica, and pretty soon it's they know your name, your middle name, your last name, <laughs> mm-hmm. your blood type, you know, what you do on the weekends, <laughs> yeah. your family story. Yeah. They know everything. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. Yeah. It immediately made me feel so comfortable. I felt so safe. Yeah. Um, so this became home. Yeah. I yeah. showed up to school every day and 
I was here for 10 hours uh-huh. and it felt like, you know, it was nothing. Yeah. It was where I wanted to be. There was nowhere else to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I think having always been around small colleges and small schools and high school, small high school, small town. For me, I hear the stories about the big school experience. And like when you say, again, just the relationships with faculty being different, it's so foreign to me because I think it's just, it's so natural for me. Like, well, of course you're going to be able to talk to faculty, but it is very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you felt, you really felt that difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever had a one-on-one with any professor in undergrad now that I think about it. Yeah. And I think that was such a, b- a big component of what I was missing in my education. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved my time at Iowa State and the U of M. I did get a great education and I learned a lot. But really connecting with faculty um, is something that I didn't even know how much I needed until I actually had it. And yeah. I only had it for one year, but nonetheless, I'm glad I had it. Yeah, do you think that that's... You, you mentioned starting off at a small Catholic school growing up. Do, do you think that... You know, going, it's almost like going back to those roots now. Do you think that had an influence kind of in your journey? I mean, what, what, what went into your mindset, too? I guess coming from a smaller environment starting off, but then mm-hmm. going to Iowa, uh, I don't know if it was Iowa State. Iowa State, Iowa yep. State. So going to Iowa State, going to the U, mm-hmm. these big schools, what was the attraction to a big school when you had those small roots? That's a great question. It takes me back to exactly what I was feeling at that time. You know, I'm at a small Catholic school. I don't think my class was ever over 55. I think that's what it was at. Um, And it was a great school. You know, Loyola did feel like home probably a lot because I was there for so many years. Um, But you kind of get to that age and you get to high school and it's hard. And I just couldn't wait to be a number. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go to a bigger high school to start for a little bit. Um, I even took some college classes in high school then, so I was a couple of years ahead, I think. And then I I kept that same mentality. You know, I just want to be a number. I want to go out there and I don't want anyone to know my name because it's been like that from kindergarten until my junior year of high school, you know, where it seems like everyone's in your business, whether it's even good or bad, you know, it's it's just how it is. Um, But then from there, I, when I was a number, I liked it. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of all I knew was at Iowa State, you know, big classes. You know, you walk the campus and you might know one in every 300, 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to stick to. But then <laughs> it's funny how much when you age and you grow and you realize that the things that suited you at one time maybe no longer suit you anymore. So especially getting a master's degree, I couldn't imagine doing that at a big school where, again, I was just a number. You know, I really needed that support. I needed that um, nurturing. And that's exactly what I got here, which if I would have gone on, um, I don't know if I would have gotten that at another university. Yeah. I want to come back to, again, just to kind of get you ready, I want to come back to what, what's the difference between the, you know, the the 16-year-old Jenna versus the, <laughs> you know, 20-whatever-you-are-old Jenna mm-hmm. now. I'd it'd be curious, like you said, it changes. You need your, oh, yeah. Change. So I'd be <laughs> interested to come back to that. Um you talk about growing up in Mankato and being, it is a quote, extremely sport-oriented. Oh, yeah. Talk about your sports journey, and did that was that a consideration when you were selecting schools? I don't know if you played beyond high school. Yes and no. Um, so growing up, I come from a family of five, so there's five of us kids, and each one of us was very heavily into sports. I mean, from baseball to softball to football to basketball. I tried hockey once upon a time. I mean, we did it all. Like, my parents were so good at supporting and encouraging us to do 
absolutely anything and everything. So kind of growing up, that was my environment, was going to my siblings' Friday night football games, traveling to their weekend tournaments. So once I hit the age to hold a bat in my hands, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. There was no going back. So grew up, played traveling softball my entire life, all those other sports I mentioned. Um, High school, finally settled into softball and soccer. Mm -hmm. Those are my two. Um, And I was a good athlete. I mean... I worked hard. I did the things I needed to. And college sports, it was on my radar, but it wasn't at the same time. Um, Because, like I said, I was kind of in that mindset where, um, you know, I just want to be a number. And I don't know if my skill set could get me to a school where I could be a number. But then even that, if you're at a school and you're playing a sport, people know who you are. You know, so I don't think I wanted that spotlight on me. Um, But my senior year... I made the MVP All-Star tournament for the state of or I made the All-Star tournament for the state of Minnesota um, for soccer and I scored a hat trick and I got MVP of the game and I had all these schools coming up to me talking to me. And it was kind of like a, a shell shock a little bit like whoa maybe I I really should have considered this, you know, but I kind of brushed them off and I said, "Nope. I know where I'm going. I'm going to Iowa State, you know. Sports are like I'm hanging up my cleats after this game. I'm done." Um but looking back now, it's probably one of my biggest regrets. You know, I I loved my college experience still and, you know, getting to experience two schools. Um, but at the same time, I'll always have that thought in the back of my head. You know, what if I really pursued that? And I, I did try and go and play somewhere and continue my career. You know, where could I have been? Yeah. Especially now with my experience in athletic department, maybe could have taken up coaching too. Yeah. Um, but as well as Pat would say, it is what it is. Yeah, it's over with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think about my own experience too. And, you know, I went to a small school because I didn't have the skill set. I didn't make any MVP teams. You know, <laughs> I, that was not, that was not me, but, but I love to play. I love to mm-hmm. compete and being able to do that at the college level, I think kept me, I think even in school <laughs> um, because I wasn't really academically disciplined either. Mm-hmm. I knew if I didn't perform in the classroom, I couldn't play on the field and mm-hmm. I wanted to play. Right. So I think sometimes there's that notion like I've got to go big, but you know you give up something that was really a big part of your identity. Mm-hmm. I would imagine growing up, I, you know, oh, yeah. all of that time and investment that you made in that sport. So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, sports teach you a lot, so yeah. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Do you think that because now your work so much is around again keeping people involved in sport outside of athletics, but you do some mm-hmm. coaching here as well, right, with our soccer team yep. and other things too. So you're feeding mm-hmm. kind of both of that. But um, do you think that? Again, because if, if, if people know you or follow you on social, like you get after it in, 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 <laughs> in the in the weight room. Like is that does that is that where you you're competitive about because competitors have to compete. Yeah. Is that where you compete now? Is that oh, your yeah. competition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you say that because I usually don't tell people that because I think they'd look at me and think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But no, essentially kind of when I go in that weight room and I put my headphones on, that's that's my game mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. my field of competition. I don't mess around in there. You know, that's when I really get to turn it on and feel that competitive edge again. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my outlet for that. Yeah. I mean, I'll do my own sports things on the side, but no one can see because I'm still rusty. Yeah. So I can at least get the the feel for it again. But no, the weight room is definitely where that side of me kind of takes off now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How have you seen fitness? Because I've seen it in my own, the arc of when, when, when I played, when my kids all played athletics. Mm-hmm. How has the arc of of fitness and exercise science changed over the last, you know, 20 years or so? I mean, I see Mm -hmm. different 
pieces of equipment in weight rooms and fitness mm-hmm. centers and things like talk, talk a bit in your own education in this area but mm-hmm. also your own use of it like how has it changed mm-hmm. oh gosh i mean a tenfold it has progressed into something that is honestly too much for me to handle sometimes you know because i do a lot of programming and you got to keep up with the times mm-hmm. so from when i started I mean, it was just the simple movements. That's all you needed. And to this day, that still rings true. And I think it rings true in a lot of the programming I do and a lot of the training I do. You know, the push-pull squat, that kind of methodology where if you can modify those movements and build a program off that, you're okay. But gosh, now we have all of these other pieces of equipment coming into play where it gets very complex. And I think it's very intimidating to a lot of people and maybe even discouraging to some younger athletes who look at this style of training and think, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. You know, and I don't think anyone's maybe telling them that. Um, But from all this outsider information you're getting from social media and kids are watching TikTok or YouTube videos or listening to podcasts, you know, it has just taken on this whole new form and turned into a whole new beast Mm -hmm. that it's probably a big deterrent to some people. I mean, even exercise in general, step away from the sports component of things that's intimidating to people. You know, they go to these big box gyms and they see these massive chunks of metal on the ground and they're like, is that a torture device or is that, you know, a leg press? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that? Um, So it's a huge, I think, roadblock um, to trying to get people to where they are because I think education is so important with that and then just encouraging people to step outside of their zone to try and be comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think it's changed a lot. And you know, maybe for the better in some components, but um, it's definitely become more complex mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Yeah, I, t- you know, there's a mental, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but the mental component of all of this as well, right? Mm-hmm. The intimidation factor. I think people, you know, wanting to get back in shape. I mean, you probably just went through now. You've, you've had all of the the New Year's resolution people maybe <laughs> have now started to, to go away again, right? You got probably got really busy down there the first few weeks and mm-hmm. had gone away, but... Um, Talk about your own mental ups and downs over mm-hmm. the years as well. I mean, you've competed at a high level. Mm-hmm. The fitness that you do is at a really high level. Mm-hmm. What? How, how, do, how do you manage the mental ups and downs similar to what athletes have to go through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully for me now, I think I've kind of entered a phase in my life where I've been doing it for so long that I know nothing different. Uh. However, I will say that that has a negative side to it. Um, You know, I'm someone who's in the gym probably at least five times a week, and then maybe those two other days I'm doing something just like walking, like I'm still being active. Um, So say those weeks when when I'm only in the gym three times, I'm really hard on myself. You know, I think, wow, I really slacked off this week. Um, And then I I take it out on myself the week after that. So it is trying to find that balance of, yes, this is my lifestyle, but I'm not killing myself in the process, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I do think that that's a, a harder area for me to navigate just because, like you said, I was a competitor. I was at a, a high level. I I am really hard on myself. Um, so I think just having to step back sometimes and understand, you know, Jenny, you work full-time now. You have a full-time job. You have relationships you need to put your energy into. If you're not in the gym five days a week, it's okay. Um, so ever since I started at the end of last summer, I have been a little bit better about that. Um, but there are those weeks, you know, sometimes where you can't just help but be disappointed in yourself. And mm-hmm. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give? Because, again, I, I, you know, I just, my own observations, too, of, 
you know, whether it's my own kids or the students here, I think, you know, there's this, I'm glad I didn't grow up in, in the Instagram, TikTok world because mm-hmm. of, I, I, I just, I think it can, I, it can erode an awful lot about a person's confidence, self-image, all mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. I walk through our gym on a daily basis here and I don't know whether it's a fashion show or a, or a fitness <laughs> center. Now, some of that is being a guy, right? I mean, guy, guys have it so mm-hmm. easy when mm-hmm. it comes to, I mean, you throw on a t-shirt and shorts and yep. that's fine, right? Yeah. So I want to re I want to recognize that as well in myself, but, um, so, you know, I think how what advice would you give young athletes, um, especially young women athletes, mm-hmm. coming on the heels of national, you know, girls and women in sport mm-hmm. day and those kinds of things about you know th- that daunting task of looking being perfect, that yep. kind of a thing. What what mm-hmm. how, what would you tell them? That's a hard question, honestly, because I know exactly what you're getting at, and I don't know if I have the right answer even. You know, I obviously see it too, and, you know, of course, the last thing I'm going to do is, you know, tell a female what to wear, what not to wear, um, or to work out or not work out. You know, I'm always so supportive and so encouraging of that. Um, but it is a it's a tough area, um, especially when you're talking about young minds being in the mix and young females, you know, getting on social media and having that influence on them and I mean either making or breaking their confidence and I think unfortunately it's probably a lot of breaking Mm -hmm. um because they think I don't look like that Mm -hmm. you know um and it's it's hard because you know how are you supposed to get in the mind of that young teenager and tell her it's okay you know you can get there if you work hard um but if it takes a long time or your body structure just isn't the same as theirs and you can't change that that's genetics and physiology but that's okay you know how are you supposed to tell them that's okay when that's they're consumed by Mm -hmm. it you know they don't want to hear it's okay because it's not okay Mm -hmm. so i think it's a it's a tough spot to be in um it has changed a lot, and I know what you mean by the fashion show or the workout facility. Um, it's just the the times we're in, I suppose. Um, but I do think just the encouragement side of things um, is so huge. Yeah. You know, to, from a young age, telling girls, you know, letting them know that it, you got to love yourself first. You know, it, whatever you see on social media, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I think – that's the society we're turning into right, right now. Right. Um, and like you said, the age of the TikTok and the Instagram and the models and the fitness models and all that kind of stuff. When I, when that, when I was in that role in seventh, eighth grade, when I was very influenced, those were like my role models, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I look up to them and their hard work. And I think that's awesome. But now it's almost like those are the catalysts, mm-hmm. you know, where they really don't even understand how much of an influence they might have on the young mind. And I do see a lot of um, fitness experts out there who are really great about it. But there are the others who maybe just aren't so much, and I don't think that they're realizing the repercussions they're having on on our younger teenagers. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, my perspective on this, you know, all is, is – is, um, is guided by, you know, having a daughter who, Mm -hmm. again, very active in sports and those kinds of things. But what I appreciate so much about Emma, my Emma, is that, you know, again, she's really comfortable with 
the way she is, right? She, mm-hmm. you, you got to be your own unique person. The body yeah. shapes and size and those kinds of things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's poor to be healthy, but to, to fit an image. Like, mm-hmm. there's probably a filter that can make me look really, really good. <laughs> it would have to work really hard. But, you know, so much of it is filtered and brushed mm-hmm. and all of that. But, yeah, you just, you just I think that desire to be perfect as a mm-hmm. competitor to, you know, there's mm-hmm. to, 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 to go three for three at the plate or, mm-hmm. you know, be air free in the field and, you know, the mental aspects of it all and then attach on top of that, you know, physical looks and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of that. I just, it's, it's good to hear you. It's interesting mm-hmm. to hear your perspective as somebody who's, you know, I've been on both sides, studied it, been involved mm-hmm. in it, is involved in it now, kind mm-hmm. of what that looks like. So I appreciate that perspective an awful lot. That's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the pandemic, and I think, you know, in conversations we've had before, I, you know, the pandemic and the time where you were in college and graduating, I mean, that was disruptive. I had a son as well, kind mm-hmm. of in that same boat, graduated in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Talk a bit about that process for you. You've changed, you know, you've been to different schools throughout mm-hmm. your academic journey. Mm-hmm. You know, talk a bit about that and advice, again, you have for folks that are listening in or those mm-hmm. with children about, you know, again, this goes back to being perfect, right? Pick the, you know, you got to pick the best place. We're in this yeah. business of trying to convince students, like, find this best place for you. Talk a mm-hmm. bit more about that and then navigating a pandemic on top of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that was hard. I started at the U of M my junior year, like I said. So that would have been fall of 2019. Um, and I loved it. I was having the time of my life. Minneapolis was great. I was meeting so many friends. I got a job there. You know, it was like that restart I needed. Fast forward to March of 2020, and essentially the world stops turning. Yeah. You know, so that was hard on everyone. I mean, students across the board were all in the same boat. You know, whether that's graduate students, college students, high school students. I mean, even kindergartners. You know, I think about those younger ages who are trying to navigate Zoom. I can still hardly navigate Zoom. You know, how are you yeah, going to teach yeah, a yeah. first grader math on yeah, Zoom? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of crazy to think back on that. But yeah, like you said, or I said the uncertainty of it. Yeah. You know, I well, transferred on or transitioned to online classes then. Um, and that was hard because I'm really getting into the nitty gritty of my degree, yeah. that exercise science field. I need those labs. I need that hands-on experience. Um, and I wasn't getting that. So then, you know, summer, summer comes and goes. I think we were kind of on a uphill trajectory just because we could be outside and, you know, it seemed like things were getting better. But I'll never forget, I was in the car. I think I was driving to my brother's game and I got my, um, I got an email from the U of M and it was my class schedule and it was all online mm-hmm. for the start of my senior year. And I was just crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, that is not how I wanted my year to start you know, socially or academically. You know, I wanted to be in person. I wanted to have that senior year experience that I had been dreaming about, you know, since I went to college. Um, so that was hard. You, I immediately had to pivot and understand, okay, you know, so what? You along with millions of other kids across the country. So you're going to make the best of it and you're going to do it. So <laughs> I remember I woke up on the first day of school then, literally rolled out of bed into my desk chair, essentially opened my laptop and I... I remember thinking, oh, campus looks great this morning, <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting in front of a wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, it is what it is. So from there then, going through school and trying to figure out those next steps was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, you think, okay, I got my college degree, you know, I'm set, I'm going to get a job. Um, and no, <laughs> that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. So that's why I knew for me, I think more school was on the table. 
Um, so then when I finally got accepted into St. Scholastica, I thought, okay, this is it then, you know, we're going to go. So then I go and I get up here and COVID was still a little bit of an issue. Um, but then you graduate from that even, and our world changed drastically in those two years, you know, even from gyms closing and, you know, people realizing, okay, I can work out at home now. I don't need the help. Um, to even how hospitals and other, um, medical settings operate, you know, jobs weren't as readily available as I thought. So I think just kind of trying to come to terms with that and to give myself a little bit of grace and understand that, you know, you're not the only one going through this because that post-grad time, I don't think that's talked about enough. Mm-hmm. That is a scary time to be a student. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially the day after you graduate, you wake up and you think, what's next? And, you know, you see all those people who do have jobs lined up and you think, oh, my gosh, I just want to be them. You know, I'm so jealous of them. They have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a large majority of people who don't have it figured out. Um, so I think that's a scary a scary feeling. And I think that was propelled by the pandemic a little bit. You know, like I said, that uncertainty of knowing if I will be able to even go to the gym tomorrow or the grocery store, or if we're going to go into the lockdown again, you know, it, my kind of generation in those couple years of the pandemic was fueled on fear a little bit, you know, the fear of what's next, the fear of the unknown. Um, so I think now to finally be in a place where I'm safe and I'm comfortable and I'm set, um, it, means all the world makes all the difference even the social aspect again like you know i'm too old now to stay up past nine o'clock but um (laughs) but i mean you know having again a having a 25 year old myself Mm -hmm. it was right at the time too where you couldn't socialize right i mean it's a time to socialize to Mm -hmm. go out to meet people to meet friends to meet potentially you know a partner you know Mm -hmm. those kinds of things oh yeah change too which is again all of that challenge Mm -hmm. that you that you talk about for sure you know you you, a couple of things that you've talked about right and it's just so interesting it's fascinating that you wanted to be a number yeah like (laughs) usually people don't want to be a number you wanted to be a number But you, you keep coming back to it. And it uh, uh, tell me about the importance of relationships for you. I think it's mm-hmm. one thing that I watch you from afar do your work and how you interact with people. It seems to me that relationship component is really mm-hmm. strong and important. Is Am I sensing that right? And oh, yeah. Tell me about the power uh-huh. of relationships for you. Oh, it's huge. I'm definitely a people person, um, kind of like why you started this podcast. You love hearing people's stories. You know, I love getting to know people and understanding mm-hmm. who they are and why they are. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I really try and model my life after is the words, be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. So I remember I heard that quote uh, probably a while ago now, and immediately I just had those people come to my head of who are those kinds of people that I have experienced with. And honestly, Nate, you are one of them. Every time I leave a conversation with you, I feel so much better about myself. So it's that kind of person that I want to model my life after. You know, I can't control the prejudgments people make about me or, you know, what they think about me when I'm talking, but I can kind of control how I make them feel when they turn away from me. You know, Mm -hmm. do I, do I leave a good taste in their mouth? Does their heart feel a little happier? You know, do they have a smile on their face? That kind of thing. That, those are the kind of interactions that I live for. 
you know? Yeah. Who are some of the people that have, you know, you, you mentioned me, which is way too kind, but um, <laughs> who are some of those people along the journey for you? When you look back at some of your, your mentors, your, your mm-hmm. people, right? The people that made you mm-hmm. feel that way. Who are, who are some of those po- folks that come to mind? Oh gosh. I definitely learned it first, probably from my dad. Mm-hmm. He, the, <laughs> he is uh, the best. He's one of a kind. Um, he is just someone that I really model a lot of things in my life after. Right. And, you know, if you would have found me maybe 10 years ago when I was a troubled teenager, I probably wouldn't have said the same thing. But now looking back, um, everything he's done for me and the lessons he's taught me in my life, are they just mean the world to me. Right. And uh, to go along with that, too, my mom. Right. She's just a kind heart. I would be lost without her. She plays so many hats for me. Right. Um, but, gosh, even in my younger years then, I had some coaches who I just – admired and like I said maybe in the moment not as much but it's it's one of those things where a couple of years out you look back and you think wow the, I didn't even realize the impact they had on me at the time mm-hmm. um you know or what they were trying to do for me and teach me but now I do yeah. and I appreciate it I had teachers who were like that I mean even my teachers here the three of my professors were incredible yeah. they are probably 90 five percent of the reason why this place is so great for me is because of them um just outstanding people and individuals um so yeah I would say I don't know if I want to name drop on the podcast at least but there are a lot of people who come to mind um and they are people who yeah like I said I look at them and just after conversations with them um I would feel so good about myself you know and I thought when I was actually in school then and, you know, having my professors, I actually thought, you know, maybe I want to be a teacher. I want to have this kind of influence on people that they're having on me. So I entertained the idea of going back and getting my Ph.D. for a bit. Um, but then this job opened and, you know, I said, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to we're going to go with it. And now it's almost kind of funny because instead of overseeing you know, my own students, I'm still overseeing students, my employees. So the fact that I can even have maybe just a little bit of an influence on how they go about their day-to-day life or how I make them feel. Yeah. Um, it means the world to me, and it's not something I take lightly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's so much in that that resonates, certainly, with me. And it, well, the way to give back, right, I mean, you, you create these great opportunities for students in recreational sports, um, the, the coaching piece. Um, how, how, is, how is the coaches you've had in your, the arc of your career influenced the way you work with the student athletes here with our women's soccer team? I would definitely say a little bit of tough love. <laughs> I had some coaches in traveling ball who were, they, they were something else <laughs> to say the least. Um, they were intense. I mean, but we were a good program and we were a good team. So sometimes that is what y- you need to boost that competitive edge. Um, so yeah, I bet if you ask the soccer girls today, they would say, it's a lot of tough love. Yeah. She's got, I have high expectations for them. You know, I tell them every day you're competing at a collegiate level. You're not here by some mistake, you know, so I expect you to act like that. You know, I expect that to reflect in your training and how you show up to practice in your mindset. Um, you know, I do definitely have a soft side to me. They'll come in my office and we'll talk about anything and everything. So we do have that relationship. But when we're in the weight room or we're on the soccer field, it's a lot of business. Yeah. It's, you know, that's what we're there for. Yeah. So, but I love that. That also, like you said, that helps bring out that competitive side in me once right. again that I right. had to bury for so many years. So yeah. it lets me get that out a little bit. Yeah. You're, uh, you, you're around sport all the time. Do you get sick of it? No. No, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time in sports arenas here and it's yeah. the best. It makes yeah. me feel like right at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're connected quite a bit. I know your your uh, your significant other is a, a kind of a big <laughs> deal in the soccer world here in the Duluth area at UMD. If that if that's right, right? soccer, yeah. hockey, hockey. Did I say soccer? Yeah. Hockey, no hockey. hockey. Completely different. Hockey. Yeah, <laughs> hockey. So you spend a lot of time at those games. I know oh, yeah. you talk some about that and traveling with with him. And yep, yeah. that's that's a big part of my life. I took that on uh, about three years ago. Um, and it's it's no small feat supporting a hockey player, or feeding <laughs> one for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, I love I love being around sports. So yeah. you know, I couldn't ask for anything else. And yeah. being able to watch him succeed and being able to support him is amazing, especially in a town like this where it's such a a big deal. I mean, yeah. people love their bulldog hockey, yeah. so it's pretty cool to be a part of that. Hockey is, um, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, you know, we knew what hockey was, but it, it really wasn't the same the same deal. Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a religion up here. <laughs> like last night, I was with our vice president for academic affairs, Ryan Sandifer, at one of the mm-hmm. parks here in Duluth at eleven o'clock at night, flooding outdoor hockey rinks, and I was shocked. I mean, there's a yep. zamboni in a garage in a public park. <laughs> For hockey rinks, are you kidding me? Like it was, crazy. it was crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those things where I'm like, uh, bucket list. I, yeah, <laughs> I can say I've done that. Right? Yeah, nobody people, not many people can say they stood on an outdoor hockey rink at eleven <laughs> o'clock in Duluth on a on Week a Wednesday night. night. Yeah, on a Wednesday <laughs> night. So no, it's yeah. it's a way of life up here. That's for sure. And yeah. I think it's really cool that Tanner can have such an influence on the community as he does. So I don't think he takes that lightly either. Yeah. it's a. It's a huge thing to have all those schools around here and all these younger kids, you know, grow up around that sport and they have, you know, the epitome of that in their town. Like yeah. they want to be a bulldog hockey player. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool and it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, and you know, we talked a little bit about your connections there, but you know, our hockey teams here, I mean, there's all those influences to oh, really yeah. high level of hockey, our Mayak mm-hmm. Uh, leading yeah, geez, right now in the right? conference for the men, and you know certainly the, the the great work the women are doing as well. It's it's for me it's been fun to kind of learn that mm-hmm. sport. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. We've been talking a lot about kind of that journey, but now I'm going to get to some really hard hitting questions. Oh, so boy. the founder, the creator of Peeps, oh, died yesterday. Really, this is monumental for me. I oh, am no. a huge Peep guy. <laughs> so. With that knowledge, right, and having peeps and candy, like, what is your go-to guilty pleasure candy? And if it's peeps, I have a whole new level of respect for you. And if it's not, we might fight. So, oh, it is not peeps. Uh. I'm I'm so sorry for your loss too. I'm sure this has kept you up at night. Um, I Charleston chews are my go-to. What I I don't know if I even know what those are. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'll buy you a box. I think I actually have some at my desk. <laughs> Um, they're essentially like marshmallow nougat covered in chocolate. So they're just like little morsels, um, kind of the size of a milk dud a little bit. Okay. Um, oh, they're so good. I love them. So I'm going to stay on this guilty pleasure <laughs> kick too, because just this week there's been experience. I sat with a class and we were talking about different things, and I think I scared, half scared the students, half shocked them with <laughs> some of the things to talk about. Guilty pleasure reality TV show. Oh, probably The Bachelor, Bachelorette. I just watched the episode last night, so I'm caught up now. I'd okay. probably say that. The reality TV side of things, it's it's almost so bad it's good, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's something I can just mindlessly watch, and I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, I, um, I there was a kick, I think the first few seasons... You know, I would watch it, and and now I haven't a little mm-hmm. bit. My kids are into now this, um, you know, uh, love at first sight, and oh, yep. you know, love on the spectrum yeah, stuff. Yeah, yep. 
I tend to be old school in my in my reality TV. So I. So what's yours? My favorite of all time <laughs> was Toddlers and Tiaras. Oh my god! That was my f- and I, I wish I wish they would still have them. I, and I and I find them on but Toddlers and Tiaras, Dance Moms, um, all of those were my absolute oh, that's favorites. Good. So yeah, my daughter was in, when I was watching Dance Moms heavily. It was a problem. My wife will even tell you it was a problem. Oh the, wow. um, the my my daughter was in dance and mm-hmm. I so wanted to be like that dance dad you know in the background but then the spinoffs like Honey Boo Boo and those kind all of that uh-huh. stuff the guilty pleasures so you honestly yeah. fit the fit the model I would say I'm surprised but I'm not I could mm. definitely see you being the dance dad in the back doing yeah. the routine that kind of thing I said too and I was really pushing and, and when they were in high school. To do like a daddy dance team. Oh like, yeah, that would be, okay. I would be all about that. So of course my oh. kids are like mortified that that was the case. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think what other guilty pleasures. So we got candy, we got TV out of the way. Um, oh, one thing I did do this Monday is I drove over to Crumble Cookie. Oh, sure. And I, yeah. they had a key lime cookie, and I've been waiting for it forever. And I, yeah. oh, man, that was the best thing yeah. I've ever had. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, their cookies are um, problematic. Let's just put it that way. Um, what's what's next? Like, I mean, you're, you're a young professional. Mm-hmm. We'll get out of this guilty pleasure stuff. You're a young professional. <laughs> um, again, I think in my estimation, again, just watching you work again, conscientious, smart, um, organized, you know, I, I, I think competitive, right? These are all mm-hmm. things I think where it's like, there's a lot of different paths you could go down. You mm-hmm. talked about coaching. You have all your fitness and health related things mm-hmm. that you're very passionate about. You have your exercise science, which again mm-hmm. is connected to that. But I mean, so you have options. What, what, mm-hmm. what, when you think ahead, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to get to that question too, the 16 year old Jenna versus yep. the 20 something. But, but, but what's, What's next, do you think? What, what are you thinking about? Or are you just kind of doing what you're doing now and you'll see? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. I actually sat down with Jessica mm-hmm. like when she started in September and we had a one-on-one. And she asked me the same thing. And I said, you know what? I don't really know, but I'm okay with not knowing. I have always kind of been a person where, you know, when one door opens, I'll walk through it and I'll either keep going or I'll turn around and shut it, yeah. you know? But I think the moment that... I kind of look for what's next and cite my or set my sights on that. I'm no longer, you know, here mm-hmm. doing doing what I should be doing mm-hmm. and doing what I love. Mm-hmm. So right now the fact that, you know, my roots are here and I'm planted here right now and I have a great job and a great community, that's really all I need. Yeah. You know, I I'm almost not even looking for the what's next right now because I feel like that would just pull me away a little bit from what matters. And I like I said, I have a lot of employees over there in the building, and they deserve my all every day, just as the student body does. You know, I I provide a lot for them, and I'm a big part of their college experience. So I want to be here, and I want to be present for them. And, I, yeah, I think the minute that, you know, I'd start seeing and thinking about what I'm called to do next, I think that would just pull me away yeah. a little bit, and I think that would that would hurt me. You know, yeah. I, I'm a person where I want to do everything 110%. You yeah. know, I don't want to just give 70%. Yeah, yeah. So how is the 16-year-old or the 13-year-old Jenna different from the Jenna today? Oh, my goodness. You could ask me how is the Jenna six months ago different from the mm. Jenna today, and I could still tell you. Um, I think 16-year-old Jenna was a lot about her, you know, what mm. is best for me and how, um, and you know, how, how can I benefit myself a little bit? You know, it's 
it hurts me to say a little bit, but I was selfish, you know. Um, but I think it, everyone kind of goes through that point, you know, at some point in their life um, where, you know, it's it's just all about them. So from there, I kind of stepped back and I realized, you know, I have a lot of people around me who love and care about me so much and, you know, how I'm being as a person right now isn't fair to them. Mm-hmm. So I I did change a lot. Going to college, I think I really found who I was and I found that through, you know, changing schools. I found that through, you know, just my academics and pushing myself. I found it through my fitness journey a little bit. I found it through the people I encountered. Um but I, it was nice because I always had a very good fun foundation to fall back on. Um, I was raised in an amazing, loving home environment that is founded on faith and family and all things that are good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of growing out of that me phase a little bit, um, I was really able to appreciate that foundation a little bit more. And I could see, you know, why my parents raised me the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so then just even going from there and now stepping into my career, you, you find what, um, kind of deserves your energy and what maybe doesn't a little bit. And I think, um, I've really figured out how to channel that and how to use it for the good. You know, I, I think one of the podcasts I listened to, you said of your podcast, you said, you know, I don't have time for all that evil and ugly in the world, you know, and I completely agree. Um, you know, I think about it one day at a time sort of thing. You know, why am I going to waste a couple hours of my day being upset about things that I I can't control or anything like that? And even the situations I faced in this job, I think back to six months ago how I would have handled it versus how I would have handled it now. You know, I'm constantly learning and evolving and changing every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to be able to um, be able to see that internally and to reflect on that and to be cognizant of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't want to have my blinders on and pretend I'm living in, you know, some fantasy where all is good and great. Um, You know, this is life. This is hard stuff we're talking about. So to be able to change and be a different person than you even were yesterday, I think is amazing. Yeah, that's really great. Um, Before I get to your questions for me, there's one other thing that I should have asked when we were on the whole guilty pleasure thing. You're a little bit of a fashionista. (laughs) How many pairs of shoes do you have? Oh, gosh, my dad is going to listen to this and say, I love Nate Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have a few too many, I would say. Um, As my father would say, I probably have enough shoes to clothe all of China, is what he would say, or something like that. Some big big place out there. but yeah, it's it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> I because I, I my, my I think well my wife listens to these too and I think she'll probably you know snarl at me for saying it too <laughs> but I think she's in the same boat. I think I have five pairs of shoes, so my guess is you may have might, five this week. So. Yeah, 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 you know, <laughs> it's funny too because I always find myself wearing the same pair anyways. Yeah, like right, I come to work right. here and I wear my same Nikes and I work right, out in the same right, shoes right. and I go out in the same shoes. Right. So I'm like the other ones at this point are just fluff yeah, for lack of a yeah, better word yeah, so funny um well we can get you help for that so yeah. <laughs> um questions for me we always end the podcast with questions for me any that I, you have for me oh yes don't you worry i have them all written down so <laughs> right. i would forget okay See, this is this gets to the organization jenna comes in with a front and back sheet of paper with notes and ideas and thoughts so again the most organized person on campus i think well i'll take that um Okay, so kind of like I said earlier about that phrase, I model my life after a little bit, you know, uh-huh. be somebody that makes everybody feel like somebody. Yeah. Do you have like a phrase or even a person or just a motto that you kind of try to 
embody or live your life on on a day-to-day basis um you know one it's actually on a sign right behind you that i have posted is you know the best way to understand people is to listen to them um you know there's some other things too on it but i mean but that's kind of at the core of it you know Mm -hmm. for me i think um i try to listen it's hard because i'm a fixer like Mm -hmm. i you know there's problems that are laid you know, on my on my lap with this rule that you're expected to find fixes. So sometimes you just want to get in that mode where it's just like, well, let's do this, let's do this, let's get it done. But to listen to people, mm-hmm. I think to make time to do this, like people are like, you, how do you have time to do it? I, I have to, I want to make time to do it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I think those relationships, there's a lot, again, I... Maybe it's why, again, when I smile every time I see you, it's just a kindred spirit type of thing, right? I mean, relationships matter. Um, making people feel valued matter. Mm-hmm. Trying to leave them feeling, you mm-hmm. know, like they like they they they're 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 of worth and value when you go. I you know those are things. I I, I think it's what, how I would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. So I try to emulate that. Um, by no means am I perfect in being able to do that. I mm-hmm. think you know the journey with you know trying to make sure that you know I, I recognize. That there's not a center, right? There's not a, a, a mo- like, think about the margins. Mm-hmm. Think about not having a center. I mean, those are things as, you know, as I've learned and grown and, and grown older have to think about. But, yeah, I mean, the, from a model standpoint, you know, listen to people, understand people, mm-hmm. take time. If you're going to stop and chat with somebody, like, take time to do it. Stop and do mm-hmm. it. Otherwise... You know, don't don't be superficial with that. So I think that's probably at the core. Definitely, I, I see that, and even the work you do too. I mean, just in all the interactions you've had with people across campus, I think everyone, mm-hmm. you know, they feel listened mm-hmm. to when they when they interact with you, mm-hmm. and they feel heard and they feel valued. So yeah. I think that's an amazing try. characteristic that you have, and it, it's what makes you so good at your job, and yeah. what makes you fit in so yeah, well. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. So okay. Next question is: is kind of like you said. Um, working in academia is stressful. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. One of the coaches the other day said to me, you know, your job doesn't have an off season. We're all pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we get an off season. Mm-hmm. You certainly don't have an off season. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to maybe unwind or recharge if you do anything at all? Yeah, I probably, you know, in, around the, the notion of fitness, I was just having this conversation with students this week. I said, one thing that I don't do a really good job at is taking care of myself. My mm-hmm. wife will point it out. I just don't. Like, I, I, I need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, and But I have to realize, especially the older I get, I'm not going to be able to give or give how I want to give, um, whether that's at work or, you know, relationship with your kids or mm-hmm. grandkids or those kinds of things if you don't take time to do that. So, um, and that's maybe a little bit more around physical health than it is mental health. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, um, some of the ways in which I think I unwind or, or release is still kind of involved with work, which mm-hmm. is like going to you know, a game or a concert or oh, a sporting mm-hmm. event. Um, like, I like being around those events as well. Mm-hmm. Love sport because I've been involved in sport. It just yeah. resonates with me. Love music and concerts and things because I so appreciate people who can make beautiful results with their voices mm-hmm. or, you know, with an instrument or those kinds of things. Like, I play a mean triangle. I'm still going <laughs> to lobby to play the triangle in our band at some point here. Um, Perfect. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, I think it's those things. I again, the older that I get, and the older we get in our marriage together, my wife and I now have been married almost thirty years. I, spending time with her, just not even if, it, if we're not even doing anything, mm-hmm. like just that 
it's so, like you know being around those that you love it's like a blanket yeah you know oh, definitely. so those kinds of things you know uh, of course if they do a reboot of toddlers and tiras that's going to be my <laughs> release jersey shore is coming out with a with a family reunion thing. really that was an old guilty pleasure okay too. yeah We're, i'm so. seeing all the sides of you <laughs> i know yeah. it's it's sometimes shocking to people right i mean I, you, you, you wouldn't think and i always say this about myself too you know there's probably more glitzy and glamorous college administrators in the world i'm not one of them like i'm just kind of I work hard, try to treat people well, try to be visionary and, and strategic and thinking. But yeah, I, it's you, you'll catch me watching watching uh, Jersey Shore sometimes. Well, too, that's, so. whatever you're doing is working. Yeah, so keep well, it that's up. right. That's right. Much to my wife's chagrin because she does not watch it with me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, another question here. So, what is one piece of advice that you would give to younger you? <laughs> Yeah, that was just a question that we just had the other day, and I'm like, um, oh, on the podcast? No, on uh, on in the classroom that I oh. that I presented it. No, not on I was the podcast. Say I missed no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> um, I, I would say don't don't waste opportunities and time. I, I, like I said to the class, I I did not fully apply myself later in my high school career and in college, especially early in my college. Um, the way I should have. I was not mm-hmm. a terribly good undergraduate student in college, mm. just was not, not good academically, not disciplined. Um, and uh, had a lot of fun, but not really disciplined. And I think th- things that I could have learned or relationships that I could have, I still forged some really good relationships, but um, but I, I wish I wouldn't have, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have, um, as a first-generation college student, had more confidence in the ability to go up and ask questions, or realize too, like if you don't address something, you kind of hide it, it. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of that was around bills. I never paid my bill on time. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I, you know those kinds of things. But um, but you know, be your true, authentic self, and don't be afraid to engage with people that are in power, especially mm-hmm. at a place like this, because mm-hmm. we're all here to help. Right, right. <laughs> you know, different than yeah. maybe some of the larger school experiences that you have. But um, yeah, don't waste opportunities for mm-hmm. relationships, for learning, for people, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, because I spent a lot of money, and I say I turned out okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, at the end, it turned so. out all right. Um, but um, but I, you know, I, again, I didn't kick in until my 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 graduate degree, where I'm like, you know, you can actually read and learn a lot of stuff, and if you actually mm-hmm. do what your faculty tell you to do, like, you learn some really cool mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'd be that. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. Do we have time for we it? Do. We're good. All mm-hmm. right. So, did you say you and your wife have been married for thirty years? Just about. Just yeah, about. Just about. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So. Just like you love people's stories. I love mm-hmm. love. <laughs> I love the relationship mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. So what's some advice you would give to younger couples who mm-hmm. are, you know, together, engaged, mm-hmm. getting married, mm-hmm. starting a family? Yeah. You know, what would you give them? Yeah, boy, from a, from a relationship standpoint, what I always say is just really be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard being married. And I'm not saying that because it's hard to be married to my wife. I love my wife. That's going to be. I sometimes I say things. I'm like, I got to reel that back in. There's a lot of stories around that. Um, but it, you know, relationships are hard, mm-hmm. uh, and they take work. Mm-hmm. And the and the relationship changes over time. And 
you know, what we always say to each other is, I'm thankful that I continue to choose you and you choose me. Like, it's mm-hmm. a choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm no different than careers or anything else, yeah, right? right? You pick something that you think you you, you, you really can connect with and, yeah. and that you appreciate and enjoy, that loves you and loves you back, and you, and you choose that. Mm-hmm. But you can choose anything, Very right? true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that honesty, transparency, what do you need, your love language, all of those kinds mm-hmm. of things, to learn it, to respect it, to constantly nurture the soil in which you're mm-hmm. planting this relationship, really important. From a family standpoint, start traditions, I always say, no matter mm-hmm. how small. Our kids to this day, especially around holidays, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's really the thing for us, especially on holidays. But if we don't do certain things that we've always done in those traditions that we started when they were little, little, mm-hmm. there's like there it, there's fisticuffs. <laughs> like we have to do it. Right? Like we have to decorate, cut out cookies a few days mm-hmm. before Christmas, and everybody needs to do it. Mm-hmm. We always go bowling and offer Chinese food on New Year's Eve, the only day we bowl the entire year. Oh, awesome. But you know, just those little traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our family now looks back at those tradition that some of our most cherished memories so Mm -hmm. and that could be with a family or it can be with couples as well Mm -hmm. you know just things that you do but you know traditions matter and I think it reminds you when we have those traditions it reminds us of when our kids were small or when Mm -hmm. we were first dating or those kinds of things Mm -hmm. so um yeah so it's 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 fun you know Family's fun. It's the, by far and away the, you know, my favorite accomplishment. When people say, "What's your biggest accomplishment?" I, you know, I've done a lot of things. I've been a lot of places. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of roles. I've been blessed with a lot of great colleagues that have helped along the way. But that marriage and that family, coming from a single parent family, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 things, it's uh, it's really important to me and something my wife and I both pour a lot into. But those traditions and then just being honest with each other. So, yeah. Well, I'm taking that with me. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it's good. I think you, you've had a pretty good foundation the way it sounds with your family, too. So I think mm-hmm. you're probably in pretty good shape. So Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. lucky. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, again, Thank I knew you. it would be. I, it was <laughs> exciting that, to have you on. And, um, again, I appreciate the heck out of you and the work that you do. Again, I just really think you're such a talented um, conscientious, smart, young professional that we're lucky to have here for as long as we can have here. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you yeah. might be stuck with me, so I'm glad you no, brought me here a good at thing. least. Yeah, it's a good thing. So that was an hour from Tower Podcast this week. We'll be back next week with another guest. Thank you for listening in.